Spoon Soul, a podcast about all the ways food intersects with our faith from seed to spade to spoon. Hi, I'm Jerusalem Greer, Staff Officer for Evangelism in the Episcopal Church, uh, Arkansas hobby farmer, and um, well, I guess just an all-around enthusiast about all things spade and spoon and seed. And I'm Brian Sellers Peterson, and I'm coming to you from Roslyn, Washington. And I have the immense joy of being a part of the Good News Gardens, um, which is a project that the Evangelism and Creation Care offices with the presiding bishop have. And I also get to be the agrarian missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of Olympia, which is all of Western Washington, and um, I'm the, the snow's out here. Uh, it is a winter wonderland again for the countless time here in Washington State, and I'm enjoying it. Today we're talking with Larissa Garzan. She is the executive director of the Episcopal Farm Workers Ministry in North Carolina. Larissa was born in Bogota, Colombia, and she moved to the United States and attended. Stetson University in Dellen, Florida. Marissa has been working with farm worker communities since 2004 when she was still in college. She's passionate about food production systems and farm worker justice. We're really excited about diving into the subject with her. Well, let's get started. Um, Larissa, can you share with us um, where are you rooted? Um, what place geographically or what community? Whatever you want to share with us about where you're rooted. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today with you and with all your listeners. Um, I am. I was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia. It's the capital of Colombia. And um, that is definitely where I, what I picture when I close my eyes and I think of home, but as many people who move to this country, I also have this identity as an immigrant, a Latinx immigrant woman, and uh, I'm also rooted in those Latinx communities here in the United States. So um, the, the work that I have done at the ministry has definitely provided me with a community that I can call my own. I feel very rooted um, at the ministry when I'm working with the community leaders, when I'm working with the women in the garden, when I'm, um, you know, sharing with other Latinx immigrants. There's always a void when you leave your country and you leave your family and, and your friends. And it's just such a blessing to know that we can all get together and fill that void with new friendships and with, um, you know, the projects that we're working on together. It's just an, an amazing opportunity. Well, I think you answered my question. Um, so, uh, but my question is, how does creation nourish your soul? And um, it sounds like your community and everything nourishes your soul. But I just like you to go a little deeper about what does, how does creation nourish your soul? I would say that um, for me, one of the most spiritual places um, 
nature. I definitely feel at peace and I feel um, I feel the happiest when I'm around nature, whether it's like hiking or spending time with my dog or at the garden. Um, I think that that is God's creation and like biggest gift that we received as humans. And to me, that's what balances me. Um, and I and the one thing that is really important to remember for me is that humans we're also part of nature, and so we have this responsibility of not just taking care of our natural resources but taking care of one another. And um, spending time in community allows me to do that. And definitely, you know, uh, speaking with people that are marginalized, with people that are oppressed, is something that is really important to me because that's how I take care of my fellow brothers and sisters. It's not just um, living my life and being in social media, but actually spending time with folks and listening to the stories and listening to their ideas and thinking about opportunities in which they can develop leadership and they can develop um, a way to put into place those uh, solutions. That's also really important for me. Yeah, I got a, I've got a follow-up question. Very important because all three of us are dog people. And I think Martha Stewart is uh, probably sitting on Jerusalem's lap. Now, Blue, he's in the other room, my Australian cattle dog, and uh, hopefully he's asleep. Otherwise, he will be providing a little bit of ambient sound a little later on. Larissa, tell us about uh, your dog. <laughs> oh my goodness i love talking about my dog <laughs> i have a terrier mix he's 13 pounds he's 10 years old and um i would dare say that he's um the ministry's pet as well because he often comes to the office with me he knows all the children from the community and um he's very spoiled by all the farm workers and all the women that come to the ministry um i think that maxi that's his name has um taught me how to love nature in a very different way than before i had him and what I really love is that he has inspired other people on staff to also get dogs and to look at animals very differently. In our community, we have a, a little bit of a problem with pets um, in the sense that there's a mentality that, you know, for example, with dogs, they should be tied up outside your house. And there's a little bit of like, I don't want to say like animal abuse, but just like a different mentality about, you know, how to care for, for pets. And I feel like in a way through Maxi, I'm kind of changing minds about that. And he is kind of changing minds about that. And that makes me really happy. Um, definitely one of the things that I like the most also about the ministry is being able to bring him there. And, and he shares, he brings a lot of joy other people and i love that i believe firmly in the uh 
the evangelism work of animals, right? Of pets and um, and just all kinds of animals, bringing animals to work with you. And and I love that. Um, one of the communities you mentioned that um, love to see Maxie is the women that you work with. And I know that in a previous conversation you and I had um, for evangelism, you shared about the women who started growing the medicinal herbs um, and the herb garden. And could you share a little bit about that project and how that got started and their work because I just think it's a it's a beautiful story ah thank you I love that project (laughs) so this project started because a lot of people in the community are undocumented and work jobs like farm work that don't really provide a lot of benefits and so it's very very hard to get health insurance so the women were conversing one day they were talking about um you know back in the day we really didn't need to go to the doctor all that much because our grandmothers they knew how to use herbs to treat common illnesses and thinking about how that knowledge was you know slowly disappearing because sometimes were there or you know they really they knew the knowledge but they really weren't sharing it with new generations um, it was just like a mix of um, situations that, you know, made them sad because they felt like this was part of their traditions and they were being lost. And so we came up with an idea uh, with these women to do um, what we call in Spanish, una escuelita, like a, like a small academy about medicinal herbs. And the idea was that the women would have a space in this, in this escuelita to share with one another everything that they knew about herbs. So they would learn from one another and they would share um, this knowledge because another thing that we talked about with the women is that traditionally the knowledge of women in our communities is not often recognized as much as other type of knowledge. Like when, when you say like, oh, you know, like these women in the community, they just like cook and clean well cooking is what nourishes our bodies it's like so important it's one of the main things that keep us alive right so oh sorry that was maxi <laughs> um he was shaking we developed this curriculum where the women where women in the community could sign up to be part of this project and they would learn more about the traditional medicinal uses of plants and also the nutritional uses of plants and um because that's another like really important thing that you can say has been lost there's a lot of like staple herbs and native plants that people used um that you know, because of colonialism, because of many things, um, the, 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 the people native of, of those areas are not using anymore. So in this academy, we talked about those two things, nutrition and medicinal properties. But we also talked about how to start a sustainable garden, um, how to control pests, how to, you know, kind of like sustainably um produce these herbs that had been in their families for generations. And then we had experts come and teach the women how to produce added value products so that not only were they recognizing this um, knowledge in one another, but they could also share it with the general population and provide additional income to their homes. And so the women learned how to make balms and shampoos and creams and teas and tinctures and all kinds of different products. 
And at the end, 24 women graduated, which was really, really awesome. This was a three-month program. And out of the 24 women, 10 of them decided they wanted to create a co-op. And so they're currently in the process of becoming a co-op. We're working with other nonprofits that have expertise in that area. And um, they're learning all about finances, marketing, <laughs> you know, all the things that you need to start your, your own business. And their products are amazing. And um, we're just really excited to see them grow because um, they're really entrepreneurs. You know, they, they want to do this full time. They want their business to thrive. And I think it's a really good fit. They, they have all these knowledge and they also, many of them work in agriculture. So many of them have worked growing plants and, and harvesting for so long. We're excited for them. And the program has received a lot of support. That's amazing. I just, I love that so much. And I love the idea of, I think when you and I talked before, you know, we talked about how a lot of farm worker, like, what's lovely about this is you don't always want to go home and do for fun what you do for your job. Right. So if you're, if you're a farm worker, you might not want to go grow something that you spend all day working on already, but to be able to connect with them through the medicinal herbs to um, equip them with this entrepreneurial, um, you know, to tap into what was already going on in them in this entrepreneurial way. And also to just give them the space, like literally the ground um, to, to grow these herbs. I just think that was a huge ministry of your ministry. Um, And now it's just going to just create waves um, of wellness and wholeness and financial wellness as well out in the larger community. So I just think it's a great, it's a great story um, and just excited to see what, what becomes of it as they go on. Totally. And I think one thing that they keep mentioning that I, it means a lot to me is that they're a community now. Mm-hmm. So they created by gardening together, by being there together, by learning together and recognizing each other's value. It's like they now have a community. They now have friendships. They now give each other support. And they also have um, a better sense of their worth. Like they realized, you know, a lot of them were saying, oh, you know, I was really depressed. I was really feeling like, you know, um, kind of like I wasn't growing. And now they're like, you know, recognizing in one another, like, oh, you're really good with numbers. Maybe you can be the person who like does keeps the finances for us or you're really good selling. You should be in the selling because they have committees. Um, And so, you know, it's been so wonderful in so many ways. I really feel very proud about this project and I can only, I can't even wait to see what they're going to accomplish. I think it's going to be amazing. Boy, I I really think that they've got a story to share and uh, inspire other would-be entrepreneurs in the church and uh, teach, um, you know, an ever increasing number of people about, you know, what they're doing now. There's so much I want to learn more about medicinal herbs and um, how people can come together as community uh, to uh, start a, a business that can grow and sustain not just their lives, but their community's lives. So thanks for inspiring us. I think we're gonna we're gonna start looking for more guests who are involved in an in enterprise uh, like your women's group. And that's 
very exciting. And the other thing we're going to do is we're going to start, you know, inter maybe we need to change the name of our podcast. Um, Spade, Spoon, Soul, and Dogs. Um, I... I don't just, know. It just somehow just, doesn't work, but good effort. Good yeah, effort. Yeah, it doesn't, but we got to check <laughs> in with all of our future guests if they got dogs or not, because <laughs> boy, it leads into um, some great stories. So thank you, Larissa. You, okay, this is another um, question we love to ask because um, everyone loves food as you know as what binds us together it's what we share together um as one of our our main sacraments um in in our lives together in christ but we also love to know what is the meal or the food or the dish that makes you sigh with comfort what is your favorite food very hard question to answer i love food period <laughs> like i love fruits i love uh, vegetables i love it all honestly um i would say there is a traditional soup from bogota and my my hometown where um it's made with um potatoes that grow in the andes and um, an herb that I don't know what it's called in English, it's called guasca. It has chicken, it has potatoes. It's such a delicious food, and that just makes me think about home. Here in the States, I don't get to eat it traditionally, like authentically, because it's hard to get the potatoes. But I try to eat it with like regular potatoes and make it as similar as possible. And um, I also love ice cream. <laughs> I absolutely love ice cream. Like anytime that I'm feeling some type of way, I just, ice cream brings me so much joy. There's a place um, where I live that makes uh, their own ice cream and they have this flavor called Carolina Crunch and it has toffee and it has coffee and it has um, chocolate. And I just absolutely love it. <laughs> well, those both sound amazing and it's going to be my lunchtime before too long and yeah, now I need soup and ice cream because um, <laughs> I love both of those. Uh, so this has been amazing. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Um, if people want to know more about Farm Workers Ministry, um, how can they how can they find out more? What's the website, social media? Where would they go to connect and and learn more? So we have a website, efwm.org. E for Episcopal, F for Farm, W for Worker, M for Ministry, EFWM.org. And then when you go into the homepage, if you scroll down a little bit, there's a way, there's like a space where you can put your email so you can sign up for our newsletters. I would say that's the best way to uh, learn a little bit more about our projects. We also have a page on Instagram and the Facebook uh, page and those are just you can just find it by looking up Episcopal Farm Worker Ministry. Um, you know, with the community, I always tell them you get to see the staff all the time, but behind us, there are thousands of people that care about you and the churches that care about you. And um, it's just really encouraging to know that folks around the, the country are really supporting programs like the one for the women's group. And so I invite everybody to get involved 
And uh, hopefully, if you're ever in the area, you can come visit. Or if you are from North Carolina, you can come and volunteer. So, Marissa, do you work statewide uh, in North Carolina? Uh, what's sort of your footprint okay. of, of work? So we are located in eastern rural North Carolina. And we really work primarily in two counties. Um, I don't know if it matters, but it's Sampson and Duplin County. That being said, the need for um, Latinx services for Latinx spaces is really big in this area. And so we're often uh, interacting with people from like up to 11 different counties. Um, people sometimes drive. We have an immigration services program, for example, and people might drive like three hours to come get services. Um, and so... Uh, we're not statewide, but we definitely see people from all over the place. So then for our, our church people, that would be the Diocese of North Carolina and East Carolina? That's correct. So at Episcopal yeah. Farm Worker Ministry, we are a project of the two dioceses. And um, it's really unique. Usually when you think about a ministry, it's kind of like a church's ministry, but we are a project of the two dioceses. That's really cool. So I'm always for dioceses working together, right? And supporting, coming together to support ministries. Okay, so you're located in North Carolina. This work is in North Carolina um, across these, these two dioceses in this area. So what about people... And this will be kind of like my final question, I think, um, who might want to start this kind of ministry where they are. Where do you where would you advise someone to begin if they hear this and they're like, you know what? We live in a, an agricultural area. There are a ton of farm workers in our area and we really want to connect. We have a passion for this. How do they begin? Where do they start? I would say the best way to start is to partner with grassroots organizations in your area that are already connected to the community, that the community trusts. Um, I think it's really hard to come as an outsider and um, try to reach out because the community is scared, you know? Like a lot of people in the community are undocumented or come from mixed status families. And so um, there's a lot of, you know, fear. So the best thing is connect with the people who are already there and then listen to see what kind of needs they have, what kind of ideas they have. All of the projects at the ministry that we currently have, they all come from the community. We never um, just came up with something, oh, we're going to do this and that, and then, you know, started it. But we just, like, had conversations like the one I described with the women where, you know, there was a need, there was energy for it, and then we build something with them. And that's what I encourage everybody to do is that, you know, we're not here to, to help people the way that we think is best, but we're here to walk with them and build something together. That is really the most respectful and effective way to do it. So reach out. People are going to be so happy to hear from you. We're always looking for support, and so is every other group. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. The listening piece, the connecting with people who are already doing the work, um, and letting the ministry bubble up from that community. That's great. Thank you. I, I got to work with Episcopal Relief and Development for a long time. Kind of, I'm one of the, the senior citizens who's finally graduated, been put out to pasture. Uh, but I checked out this great uh, podcast you did a couple of years ago with Marisol 
Delgado about uh, the inequities faced by immigrant communities during COVID-19. And um, how has COVID impacted the people both you serve and that community that serves you? Because I love the way you've described that it's sort of this mutual um, ministry of people we traditionally think is doing stuff for other people who need stuff. But you do it, you know, it's a mutual thing for you. But if you could talk about that just a little bit before we wind up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you're right that the way that we look at the ministry is it's primarily a place for people to grow as leaders, as um, human beings, <laughs> you know, um, with skills, uh, with relationships and stuff like that. And so we really try to make sure that whenever we have a service or an event or a program that we have folks from the community helping one another, because that's super important and it builds resilience. But we also bring people from outside the community that can work with them, that can learn from them, and that probably has something to bring to the table also that other people can, other people can learn from. So obviously when COVID happened, it was disruptive because we couldn't, we had to put a lot of our programs on hold. Um, some of them we haven't started since, you know, we haven't continued since, um, but it provided this opportunity to think outside the box how can we all build a community? How can we have fellowship despite the fact that we can't be in the same room? And so what really helped a lot was that um, children had to use Zoom for school. And so all of these people in our community that had absolutely never heard about Zoom anymore, ever, you know, before, um, had to become experts because they had to help their kids. And so we started doing lots of things on Zoom even with the uh, churches, right? Like we have another program called Beloved Neighbors, which is about, it's a six uh, session training about immigration, race, and um, agriculture in the U.S. And we had both people from the community and people from the churches, and we were all learning about like, what's the history of agricultural workers in the U.S.? So basically like from Native Americans, slavery, um, you know, all the way to like where we are today. And uh, immigration, like what is the system? What does the system look like? What are the laws? What is keeping people from becoming documented? The tension, like why is the tension profitable? Like we explored all these things and we realized, oh, we don't have to be in the same room. There were people joining us from all over the place. So using Zoom was one of the, of the things that really helped us. And we, I, I expect we're going to continue to do that for a really long time. Because um, that was just one example of many ways in which we use Zoom. Um, the other thing is that we are now doing a lot of our programs outdoors. And there are some really great benefits to that as well. So, um, you know, for the food distributions, for example, we have food distributions twice a month. Um, we used to do it. Um, at the ministry and it would just be with people in the community and now we have lots of church people lots of volunteers that come from other communities because the numbers exploded with covid you know and so you know it's, it looks different but it allows people to work as a team and i think that's also really meaningful when um 
you know that you as an immigrant, maybe farm worker, are standing next to like maybe like a white church person, but you're both doing the same. You're both helping each other. There's no like, you know, I know better than you or you know better than me. It's just like teamwork. And I think that has the pandemic has given us that gift of of relying on one another, which is amazing. Obviously, it had a huge impact in the community, disproportionate, you know, lots of workers died, lots of workers got sick, um, people didn't have savings, people didn't have insurance, um, people don't have job security. It was really hard on this community, but like any other hard situation, it's brought resilience. And I believe that it's forced organizations and ministries like us to think differently and create things that are new and that I think are going to stay even after this is over. I have a big surprise for our listeners. Um, you know, it's not the actual date that we record that you get to hear this. So you're going to get to hear this on March 16th, but this is actually being recorded on February 28th, which happens to be sort of a noteworthy day for you, Larissa. So why don't you tell us your news? Well, um, it was a really hard decision, but I decided to transition out of the leadership of the ministry. Um, today is my last day as the executive director. I am passing the torch. And um, even though I am leaving as the director, I am always going to support the ministry. I'm always going to, um, you know, be involved in some way because I truly believe that the work that is being there, done there is so important and the people there are so important. Uh, not just for me because I develop relationships with them, but because they are the people that are um, working to make sure that we all have food working to make sure that the economy is good, working to make sure that new traditions and knowledge and languages are brought here to the United States. They make this country vibrant. And so um, even though today is my last day and it's very bittersweet because I am going somewhere else for another opportunity, I feel a lot of calm knowing that there are people like you like the Episcopal Church, like all of our volunteers and supporters that are going to continue to um, walk with these immigrant leaders in rural North Carolina. Well, we are honored, honored so much uh, to share in this milestone day for you as you set off on your next adventure. Yeah. Congratulations, and uh, we'll be praying for you because we know wherever you go, it will be ministry because um, you just have such a big heart, and we'll stay engaged with Farm Workers Ministry and look forward to getting to know the, the new executive director and um, how we can continue to share this work. So, Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm so happy this was on my last okay. day because um, I feel like it's so important, the work that you all do. Um, you know, I've heard some of the um, episodes. Uh, I participated with you on something else, Jerusalem, and I just think that this, you know, traditionally you wouldn't think religion and creation care and, um, you know, food production systems and environment and all that. And um, it just makes me really happy to know that this is the institution that we belong in, you know, one that cares 
about people, about the environment, about dogs, <laughs> about living creatures, right? So um, thank you so much for, for having giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Ah. Well, thank you. All right, folks, that's a wrap for today's Spade Spoon Soul, also known as Triple S Podcast. If you want to know more about this podcast, about any of our guests, about agrarian ministry, um, you can find us on the Spade Spoon Soul Facebook page or email us at spadespoonsoulpodcast at gmail.com. And special thanks to our producer, Derek Weston. Um, and then the list of all the cool things that Derek is up to, um, we don't have time for. But you should especially tune into the Food and Faith podcast that um, Derek shares with our friends uh, Sam and Anna. And also really like to thank Jay Seidbotham, who um, is a wonderful cartoonist and i think he captured um the hearts of um us hosts in his picture and then uh for ryan lee who also happens to be my brother-in-law for the groovy music that you get to listen to as we come in and we go out all right well until next time we hope that you will find ways to connect your soul to your spade or spoon or both Now go enjoy that groovy music and we'll meet you here again next time.